Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. And Tuesday night means it's Liam Kennedy night. Good evening, Liam. Evening. I meet, me, I meet myself coming back uh, this week. It's my birthday week, so I'm doing seven seven interviews in seven days. It's going to get tricky now because I'm, I've got to go to the uh, some of the guys who live abroad, and it's time time distances, time differences, and things, and it's balancing my show and balancing the loaded show, and ah, dear me out. But we've had some cracking interviews: Gavin Peacock, Rob Lee, and Lee Clark so far. Absolutely superb. Uh, some some great content and some some great questions from people out there um, putting it out on Twitter um, and getting the ones on on the live chat has been has been great and you know normally you get the same old questions I mean you know the t-shirt one comes in with Lee Clark or you know there's always a question about Shearer with Rob Lee or Gavin Peacock you know do you regret leaving it's always usually the same questions but being some absolute belters on in them interviews and I'm, I'm hard picked to say which has been the best one so far I mean I, I love speaking to the lads anyway but um, you know fantastic mate so far and uh, we've got uh, Nobby Solano lined up for tomorrow Warren Barton lined up for Thursday so uh, a big 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 birthday week for us mate quality love the Rob Lee one it's brilliant he was my first real sort of Newcastle hero absolutely loved him uh, fantastic midfielder everyone everyone out there knows how good Rob Lee was um, and a top bloke as well looking at the interview that you did with him the other day fantastic Aye, and we've had Big Al on, which um, is, is, yeah, is yeah. massive, and he's coming back. So the problem I'm going to have to have there is which show he comes on, because um, I'm getting it in the I'm getting it in the neck from the girls, getting it in the neck from the lads. I want to be on that show. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I might have to draw names out of a hat, I think. But uh, welcome along anyway, mate, and um, great to have you on. Plenty of questions always. This is how it works on a, on a Tuesday night. You get your questions in. Liam gets through as many as he can, and um, you know whether it's player related takeover related just get those questions in I just want to ask you what are your thoughts of that performance at the weekend fantastic Liam what a, what a result um, got out of jail as well nine men um, and you know still managed to, to hold on and get those three points do you know what Steve um, Saturday afternoon was just an incredible experience in a lot of ways because um, for so long now in Newcastle United the feeling hasn't been there like the the emotion um, has disappeared from watching Newcastle United. It's become become a chore rather than, than a pleasurable experience, which it was previously. Um, and, and it's like that heart. Um, and and I, I found myself almost having to pinch myself halfway through that. It was about 10 minutes to go. Um, I was literally screaming at the computer screen, going mental. I was also working at the same time, a little bit, little bit unprofessional. But I realised in myself, I thought, you know, we've got that emotion back. I can feel it again. There's something to get behind here. Um, and a lot of that was to do with the nature of the of the, the game itself. Um, but even taking away the drama of the second half, that mad five minutes, there's so much more to this team now. And it, it's been an incredible week and a half or so. I mean, you probably could point the point the, um, the turnaround to that second half against Leeds. But the big turnaround was Everton, as we all seen. Um, and then, like I said, I was on here talking about Crystal Palace and I said I didn't think that was as bad. Or was that what I haven't been on since? I didn't think Crystal Palace was as bad as as, as people made out. I, I really didn't. I thought the first half was was decent. I thought they were arguably better in a attacking sense against Palace in that first half than they were at Everton previously. And then to follow that up um, with a win. They needed a win. Um, and in the circumstances, everything that could have possibly gone wrong 
the Newcastle United went wrong in that second half and in the first half with the injury to Callum Wilson, which I'm sure we'll come on to at some point in the show. But yeah, it, it, it had the feel of maybe a month ago. Um, that would have been a game Newcastle would have went on to lose quite handsomely in that second half when things started to go wrong. You lose three players to injury, go down with 10 men, go down with nine men. It was it was just a and concede that goal within within sort of five minutes, two, two, three minutes of the second half. Having been in, in, in what felt like a comfort zone at half time. Um and yeah, I, I just think for me it was more than more than that. It was more than three points which we needed. It was it was about uh, a reconnection emotionally. And I think there was a real I, I felt it, I'm sure you did. I think everybody did out there. I've spoken to a lot of people about the game since and the amount of people, the amount of outpouring of emotion that there was towards television screens or wherever you may have been watching it, devices. Um, was quite incredible and, and like I say I just roll the clock back I'm saying a month it's not even a month roll the clock back two weeks two and a half weeks and where was that emotion it, it, it disappeared um, a lot of people who watch Newcastle United religiously who I speak to some people weren't even watching Newcastle United anymore they didn't want to watch it it was terrible it was rubbish it was boring um, that's gone now they've got a little bit of that emotion back and hopefully they can keep keep on top that and, and keep moving forward. Look, we've got a hard, we've got a hard week um, with the two games: Chelsea next week, uh, Manchester United after that. It's not going to be easy. And you look at the fixtures elsewhere, and you think the, the gap could be could well be less than ten points. I think by the time we come round to a, a winnable game, which I'm not going, I'm going to, I'm going to say that Wolves is a very winnable game in my opinion because they're really struggling this season. They're not the Wolves of last season. Um, but until Newcastle to come round to that um, game. The gap could be back down to what it was before. It could be back down to a six points or something like that because there are there are games. I think if, if you're a Fulham, uh, Fulham I'll say here rather than West Brom. If you're a Fulham, um, you've got to be looking at, at the next couple of games that they've got. Um, I think they've got. Correct us if I'm wrong, Steve. I'm sure they've got Sheffield United in one of the next two. Mm, yeah. Well. And, and I think if if you're them and you're going to stay up and you're going to stay in the division, while the next two for Newcastle United are really tough, the next two for uh, for Fulham or, or games you'd have to get points in if you want to stay in this division. So I would argue that I think we could be in another sticky situation in about a week and a half's time. But um, I think we've seen enough in the last fortnight to suggest this Newcastle team isn't finished yet. It was hard to see where the points would come from. And now I think it's easy to see that we can pick up points because of this new formation, because of the switch around in tactics and approach, in pressing, um, just looking like a more attacking side. And it's been really refreshing, I would say. Yeah, it definitely has. I mean, you know, Chelsea, Man United and then Wolves and West Brom. The key games for, for us as well, if need be, uh, back end of the season, well, last two games, yeah. uh, Sheffield United, of course, and Fulham. So, um, yeah, it, I, you know, I, I saw enough at the weekend um, and, and that win was vital. I, 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 could, I don't think Newcastle will go down now. No, I don't. I think you talk about the fixtures there. From memory, um those last two games could prove crucial, but hopefully it won't matter by then. Um, but there is a run of about four games previous to that, which are real tricky games against your Leicesters and, and, and uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, Manchester City. Man, Man City's the third last game, but I mean, they'll have, by the way they're playing, they'll have the league wrapped up by then, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So yeah, Newcastle need it. There's a little run of games after this too, where they've got, like you said, the likes of Wolves, they've got the likes of West Brom. Um, even Tottenham, they've got they've got some games in there where you wouldn't write Newcastle off and say they've got a, a half half a chance in these games. Um, so that's when they need to pick up the points. Um, a little bit of talk this week. I went over some stats. Some people out there might have read it, might not. Check out my Twitter feed if you didn't. But we did it. Uh, well, I did a 
an analysis of the last 10 years, how, how many points it's taken for teams to stay in the Premier League. Um, and, and last season, you were looking around 35. Um, I would say the mean has been about 35, 34. There mm. has been the odd one. Obviously, Newcastle United went down with 37 when, when Sunderland stayed up. Um, and going back 10 years, I think Birmingham City went down with uh, with 39 points. But apart from like little anomalies like that, then 34-35 normally keeps you in the division. Newcastle United are only 9 to 10 points away from that now. And I would argue that uh, this season... With a points tally that the say Fulham have got, Fulham are going to have to in the last whatever it may be sixteen games they're going to have to more than double. Uh, they're going to have to do do better than than what they've done in the twenty two games so far. They're going to have to double their points tally um, to even get close. Um, and I just don't I just don't see them doing that. Look, they could go on a decent run, but again, a decent run with an extra win or two added in only takes them to thirty five points or so. And I would back this Newcastle team to at least pick up another two three wins between now and the end of the season. Okay, we could talk about that game all, all night, but we're not going to. The questions, as always, flying in. Over 550 watching. Thanks very much. Honestly, we, we never take your, your support for granted and uh, really appreciate it uh, 100%. Um, in that case, with all you watching, I just want to say thank you to the sponsors. Spider VPN, of course, our uh, sponsors for this month. Big shout out to uh, our friends at qtechshop.co.uk as well. Makers of pool tables and snooker tables and walls in Newcastle, who also make our T-shirts uh, and our lovely mugs and our Supermac T-shirts, which you can get from newcastlelegends.com. If you're a first-time visitor, subscribe to the channel. Just hit that little badge in the bottom right-hand corner and you can subscribe. It is free. Click like if you like the video. That does help us as well. And click share. That shares it on your Twitter or your Facebook or your uh, LinkedIn or whatever. That does help us as well to help build the NUFC Matters community, which is a year old this week. Um, let's get to the questions then in the chat. As always, plenty to, uh, to browse through. Albert Mooney says, Ben Jacobs thinks the EPL would have the stronger case in a court battle, but thinks it will be settled before that happens. What are your thoughts, Liam? It's hard to say who would have a without really being party to to the the nitty gritty of the the court documents and, and evidence on both sides. It, it's impossible to say who um, would have a stronger case. Look, I know there is a confidence from people um, involved in this that they think they would absolutely smash the Premier League out of the park. I'm sure there are people in the Premier League's legal team who probably think exactly the same thing. Um, but yeah, I th- I'm going to be a bit diplomatic on that. It's impossible. Ben Ben may well have seen documentation from both sides. I don't know. Um, but for me, I haven't, and I, and I can't say for certain which which who would have more confidence in a court battle. Um, do I think it could be settled before? Yes, and I would think that's the that's the um, the biggest hope for everybody for this takeover is that it does get settled before that, because if it really pushes on into a court battle then that's when time frames become really difficult. They become really tricky because it's a lot longer term. Um, settling before an arbitration, going to an arbitration, settling post-arbitration is much the much preferred option for everybody involved. Um, a court battle um, wouldn't be because a court battle could take some time. Okay, uh, Tom Dixon says, Liam, what's your thoughts on this? When it broke last night, Saudi Arabia Football Association president visiting Qatar Football Association president in uh, Doha. Yeah, I mean, this was all over social media last night. So uh, 
Tom uh, preempted the fact that I would have the photo saved, but uh, there they are, socially distanced with their masks on. Um, joining more dots, Liam, or uh, just something which um, has no real effect on the takeover? Um, look, I think I think any any um, reconnecting of those two countries at any level can be a positive, taken as a positive, in my view. But does that uh, directly have an impact on the takeover? Not at this moment in time. There are certain things that need to happen. We all, we've talked about them on here, not just myself, other people who've been on have spoken about the idea of legal uh, legal things being dropped, legal uh, battles uh, having to be commenced, uh, sorry, not commenced, having to be uh, finished effectively, or at least put on ice um, for for certain other things to, to move on. And I think until we see that, that's kind of the, the hard uh, evidence, the hard updates that everybody's waiting on because... Once that happened, then happens, and if that domino falls, I do believe that there are um, that would take away certain legal hurdles that there are and um, preventing this takeover. Um, takes away certain legitimate arguments that some may have against others. Um, but do I believe that those two meeting together is is a is it negative for the takeover? Certainly not. No, um, I think like I say, any thawing in relations, any um, coming together of those two nations um, has got to be a positive thing because. Ultimately, that was one of the biggest sticking points. Was was the uh, the the being uh, issues, the problems that uh, the media war that went on, the mud slinging, all that kind of thing. It all added to the narrative and made it very difficult for that deal to pass. Um, and I do think it will be it'll be much easier without those legal hurdles uh, in the way. Stu Taylor says, any news on Callum Wilson's injury? Any time frame? No, not unfortunately. I, I, I know I understood. I was hoping we might have got something today, but because um, I understand people are really, I, I'm anxious to know, and, and unfortunately, I don't. I don't know. Um, it, it looks, it looks short. Short doesn't look like, like a great one. Mankio doesn't look like a great one either. Um, ankle and knee uh, ligaments potentially, but both of those two. Um, Callum Wilson's the main man, though, isn't he? He's the one everybody wants to to be in the squad, and I think um, we'll just have to wait and see with that one and see how things settle down. Um, I was speaking to Steve Bruce on Thursday this week, it's a little bit earlier, so hopefully we'll get an update towards them. Leslie Marr says, Liam, your piece today sounded far more downbeat than you were in December. Are you really, or am I reading too much into it, and UFC takeover? Yeah, I think it's I think it's easy to, to read too much into it. Look, the whole point, that I was I was told by my desk today, have you got anything you can write? I had a bit of fun with it. I went down to Simon Garfunkel, and... Uh, uh, sound of silence route and 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 that's effectively what it is it may have sounded more negative to everybody than 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 may well be but it's just simply it wasn't positive or negative it was just effectively underlining the fact that we're all playing a waiting game it's not only you guys out there who are frustrated the frustration remains on the buyer and seller as well they want they wanted this deal done yesterday never mind you know in in a week's time or, or months time um so there is frustration there from everybody. Everybody wants this deal done, but um, with the legal cogs turning, these things uh, are taking time. Um, there's certain things that need to happen that need to fall in place for other things to happen. Um, if one thing goes too early, it could spoil another thing. There's lots of lots of, uh, lots of, of balls in the air, effectively. I'll, I'll be the king of cliches again as well, but there are lots of balls in the air and it's impossible to know which one's going to drop. And, and all I was trying to do with the piece today, uh, Leslie, was effectively say um, it, it's it's a waiting game and we've got to be patient. There is a silence. 
I don't want people running down the road of thinking that that I've heard it said before about takeovers, about uh, oh when it goes quiet that means it's happening, some something's going on and happening. I don't want people to run away down that that avenue and, and think oh right it's gone so quiet now that must mean it's going to break any day now. I don't really want people to do that because I saw in a way I was urging caution just to say look it's quiet but that's not quiet in a positive or negative way. Look it was a bit of a halfway house piece but. As long as you enjoyed it, Leslie, that's fine. But it wasn't It wasn't particularly in a negative light, nor would I say a positive one either. No. Uh, Paul Oxley said, uh, he says, I said to you on uh, Twitter, Liam, three more wins should do it. You think bottom three now will be the ones that go down? I mean, Lee Clark, the day, obviously former Fulham player, um, talked, you know, honestly, uh, as he always does. Um, he feels that um, despite the, you know, the great effort by his good mate, Scott Parker, um, he, he feels they're down. And I, I think he thinks that Sheffield United and West Brom will go with them. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I, I suspect it looks, it does look that way. Um, it would take a remarkable turnaround. Look, we've seen a big upturn in fortunes from Sheffield United. And all that's done is get them on, on terms effectively with the other two at the bottom. Um, it, it would take a, a fantastic end of the season, um, which we haven't seen from Sheffield United for some time. If you remember, um, during the first lockdown, Sheffield United dropped off a cliff. But the, the form that Sheffield United have shown was in that first six months in the Premier League, and they've never got anywhere close to that since. Um, so I would suspect they'll have to go somewhere close to what they were like at the start of their, their return to the Premier League to get anywhere close. Um, of the other two, uh, everyone kind of expected West Brom to have a little bump, the Sam Allardyce effect. But I've got to be honest, when you look through their squad, it really is a championship squad. It's very difficult to pick a Premier League player out of their squad and, and pick, take anybody who you would put in our team. Um, so I do think I think he's got a real tough challenge on his hands. Um, will they have a little bump at some point? Look, he's done it everywhere he's gone. So I'd expect Allardyce will do something at some point this season and he'll turn that team around and have a little run. Is it going to be enough? I don't think so. Fulham are the ones who I would look at and say they're the best team of the three um, by quite some distance, but lack uh, lack a goal scorer, um, struggle defensively at times, and it's never a good recipe. Um, but I would say of the three teams that Newcastle have played of those three this season, I would say I was most impressed with Fulham. Um, can they do it? I think they've probably left it a bit too late. I would say they haven't uh, they haven't won a game I think since since October or November so you'd think that'll have to change soon and that's what I mean in the next week or so if if they're going to have a little fight they'll have to do something and I would suspect Fulham in the next two might might pick up that elusive three, three points but I wouldn't necessarily say that's a, a reason to really panic I think I still think they'll struggle to put a run a run of wins together that they're probably going to need to to give themselves a fighting chance at the end of the season so. In short, I went the long way around there. In short, um, yeah, I think probably the three look like they're going to go and they look like they're going to go quite comfortably. Um, I'd be surprised if any of them, again, hold this at the end of the season. I've got plenty wrong before, so I might, I might get this wrong, but I'd be surprised if any of them break 32, 33 points this season. Barry Hogan wants to know if there's any chance that we could recall Callan Watts from Plymouth. He's having a blinder, he says. Uh, yeah, they could recall him. You could recall him and he could come back. He, he wouldn't uh, fit in. He doesn't fit into the 25-man uh, Premier League squad. So he could effectively come back um, and, and be involved. I'll be honest, I think they'd be really reluctant to call him back because the lads are probably best served just continuing to play games um, in League One uh, for for Plymouth. He's doing well there. What would be the point in taking him out? I don't see I don't see the reason. At the moment, you're casting it off fine. Um, I did a little piece yesterday. Again, looked down my timeline on Twitter. You'll be able to dig it out. There was a defensive options available. Look, there is a there is a little bit of a hope that Federico Fernandez could be back next week. 
and we're talking about Monday. We're still nearly a week away from from the game itself. So, and I would argue that um, I would argue that Kieran Clark will be back, and Paul Dummett is probably a better centre half than he is left back. Um, so for me, there's two centre halves you could easily play in that side um, with, a, with a relative degree of uh, just be really comfortable. Isaac Hayden would be the other one as well. For me, I would take Isaac Hayden out of there. I think he's been fantastic when he's played there, to be honest. It really, really impressed me. Um, but I want him back in midfield. Um, I think he's best served in that, that sort of deep, the deeper of the of the three midfielders in this system. Um, I think he def- that that rule is perfect for him. So I would love to be I would love to see Dummett come in and, and Hayden just push that a little bit further forward. Um, and we'll just have to stick with John Joe Shelby because um, the, the manager seems to like him. Andy Barr uh, says, good evening. Who's doing more towards the team, Bruce or the manager? And Joe Walker says, Liam, is this the Jones effect or is this Steve Bruce's gloves off approach? Or is it a bit of both or something else? I mean, it's been a bit of a debate online. I mean, I, I mischievously put a, a tweet out, of course, at the weekend just about that situation. And, that you know, is it any coincidence that Graham Jones has come in and suddenly there's a change in formation? But somebody flipped it round and said to us, well, you know, Bruce has been quite cute here because a couple of weeks ago he said the gloves were off and he was going to change things, um, possibly knowing that Graham Jones was coming in. So, you know, he can claim that it's his, you know, it's, it's him doing it. And speaking of the, the former legends as well, they've, they've essentially said, well, you know, they've all got different views. Um, you know, obviously we all know Rob Lee's not a, a Graham Jones fan, so he's putting it down to Bruce. Um, he is the head coach. Is, is, is this more down to Steve Bruce than Graham Jones? What's your view? It's it's actually something that I've been deliberating myself recently. Obviously, we know the situation um, with Graham Jones. Um, Steve Bruce was involved in that process. There is no no doubt about it. Um, but I'm not 100 percent certain it was it was necessarily his choice to bring a coach in to freshen things up. That's the that's the difference. I think people have got to understand. Was it was it was it? It wasn't some plant um, to to push Steve Bruce out of the job. It was to freshen things up. But I don't think that was necessarily his approach. And I've got to think. I've got to say, you've got to give Steve Bruce a little bit of credit. I would, I would hold back on giving him too much credit because we've had eighteen months of dross, absolute dross, with no identity and no idea. Um, and it is very coincidental that that all this with with purpose um, since the new coach come in. And I don't think that is coincidental. And I, I do put a lot, a lot of the um, of the credit on on the new coach, on the Graham Jones for coming in. Bringing some fresh ideas. Um, that that squad were playing like a team who were not enjoying their football anymore. Uh, it may even just be that things up. Look, I know I know he's been involved in in certain attacking drills. He's been involved in set pieces. He, he's been involved in press. He's been involved in a lot of other things. Um, the press, I mean, is in football and press, not the not the media, yeah. of course. But um, yeah, so so for me, I think um, I think Steve Bruce does deserve a little. He does deserve a little bit. Because I would say that you could probably um, push the transformation in the team goes back to half time. I would say at Leeds, so I think there was the I think there were signs were there in that second half against Leeds that the things were there was there was time they could try and turn something round. Um, there was a bit of fight there, a bit of a bit of intent. Um, but it, the, the real real transformation came at Everton, and and it was no surprise that Graham Jones was on the touchline. Had done two full days training with them, and had worked on a lot of things. And there was a fresh approach, fresh ideas, a totally fresh look. Steve Bruce had tried every single formation in the in the coaching manual, but he hadn't tried that one. 
So it's no coincidence, is it, that suddenly a new guy comes in with fresh ideas to switch it up and it works. Look, he tried everything else and it, and it didn't work. So that's why I'm I'm holding back on giving Steve Bruce too much credit in that sense because I do put a lot down to Graham Jones. Okay, uh, Craig Elrington, he says, uh, did you see Ben Jacobs say that he thinks the Premier League have a better chance of winning if it goes to court? What do you think, Liam? And... Um, Raimondo is asking if we saw the interview. Well, neither of us have. Um, I, I know just obviously down to the fact that, you know, we all do other things when other podcasts are on. Sometimes we can watch them, sometimes we can't. I, I would point most of you in the direction of Andrew Musgrave from The Chronicle. Um, Andrew interviewed him a while back and then, you know, rather mysteriously had to take the, the interview down. Um not sure why. Maybe he's asked Andrew. Um, you know, is this guy the real McCoy? Is he somebody who's got a, a finger on the pulse in the Middle East? I don't know. I don't I don't actually know the guy. So um I have spoken to other people. Um I know Steve Hasty and, and Mitch have uh, you know have, have a bit more information on him. So maybe we can ask them the question on the three amigos on, on Friday. But uh, as for me, I haven't really got an opinion on the guy. I don't know him. I don't know what his credence is. I've seen a lot of criticism online of him um, and I've seen a lot of the stuff that's come from his interview this week so you know I think the jury's out um, he knows as much or as little as, as most people I think with regards to this takeover uh, I think he's um, you know he's certainly got sources and people who will will give him information but uh, yeah I mean we can't really speak about Liam Campbell because we haven't watched him No um, like I said it's not something it's an hour and ten minutes. I just don't. I don't have an hour and ten minutes in me day. We're fitting this in and doing full time work and kids and family and everything that goes along with with sort of time that we're living in at the moment. And look, good luck with them. Good luck with the other podcasts. It takes a lot of time and effort. I see this, the work that you put in, Steve. Even just coming on here, the, the 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 commitment that you have to bring to this. So good luck anybody who's doing a podcast out there, effectively. Um, but I I, I will be watching it. Um, ben puts a lot on on Twitter. Um, when he just tweets and things like that, that, that um, he puts a lot of detail out there. So I think everything's there. I don't think he conducts himself well. I mean, there's been some people in this takeover farce, and I'll call it a farce because it's dragged on for so long. It's become a farce, and I've I've actually enjoyed the last ten days. I haven't had to speak about it. No one's asking any questions about it. It's just died a death. Um, to be honest, I'm quite happy with that. And until there's something to talk about, I've said on this show the last you know the last few nights, it's been great not speaking about it because there isn't really anything to say. Nobody is saying anything. It's like you said in your article, the sound of silence. Um, but this was obviously going to kickstart it again. I knew it would when, when I saw that he was going to be doing an interview. Um, but yeah, he conducts himself well on social media. And, um, you know, it, the, the big question is, which the fans w w would ask is, is... Is he, a, is he genuine? Is what he's saying coming from a good source? You know, and, and who knows? But look, I would, I would take, I would take everything that everybody says um, with the takeover with a pinch of salt, because the, the buyers and the sellers um, will both be speaking to different people at different times, and you know, who knows what's going to happen? Um, I know whose side I am on, and I know whose side uh, you know I'd like to win. Um, but if it doesn't, the football club will still be there. We'll still be talking about it. Uh, we'll still have a football team to support. Um, it just means we won't have as much money as we hope we would. It's as simple as that. That's where I'm actually at now with the takeover. And, uh, you know, fingers crossed it, it goes through. Let's move on from that because it, it does start, uh, you know, it takes over. The, it'll dominate the show and we don't want it to do that. There's so much to talk about. Yano says, honest question. 
Who of our centre-backs would be the first choice at any other Premier League club? It's a good one, really. I mean, we've obviously been hit with a load of injuries, Liam. Um, you know, to the back four. But devastating, especially for Sav on a Monday night to see Shaw um, out for the rest of the season. But uh, you talk about Fernandez potentially coming back. Kieran Clark, of course, wasn't injured. He was at the hospital, you know, um, waiting for his last to, to give birth. Um, Jamal Lascelles, of course, splits opinion. But is there is there any other centre-backs, do you think, would be first choice at any other Premier League club? I think when you talk about Newcastle centre-halves probably being the strongest position with the goalkeeper that they've got, it's probably more um, an average uh, set of defenders who are all of a similar level and are all pretty good. That's the way I would describe it. Um, I would say that people like Federico Fernandes would get in a lot of um, teams at our level, bottom half Premier League. Um, he's probably the best of the bunch that we've got. But you could say the same of Fabian Shaw probably getting in a lot of sides as well and um, Jamal Lascelles would probably struggle um, I know he would have a lot of takers if he suddenly became available but um, yeah and I think I think um, looking beyond that there's a lot of fans of Florian Lejeune out there like I said on here last week it wouldn't be a surprise if he hasn't, he hasn't seen any Cassie United again um, unfortunately I do think he's a good player um, I think he would get in some sides Kieran Clark is what he is he's, he's, he's now our level um, but I really like him and again, I think it's more, if you pick out individuals, it's probably a little bit unfair on the strength and depth that Newcastle have in that department. Um, I think I think Newcastle have got real strength. That They've probably got a group of about four, five, six central defenders who are all pretty good. They're all they're all good. They're all Premier League defenders. And I think you would probably struggle to go around most football clubs in the Premier League and, and find that sort of strength and depth in one particular department. Yeah, OK. Uh, Liam, if Newcastle did go for Joe Willock at the end of the season, would Arsenal consider selling them, asks uh, Tom Dixon. Again, good question, Tom. Um, a little bit guesswork, because we don't know what the situation or how things are going to play out. But I would imagine, because they've let him go, um, that that he is surplus to requirements. I know it's an area that, um, having let Ozil go, that, that Arsenal are really keen to strengthen in. And they brought the Norwegian lad in. They've got uh, Smith Rowe as well, who's really well thought of and has been fantastic for them this season, to be honest. And I think it's really difficult for a Joe Willock to, to go back to Arsenal and get in the side. That's why I would imagine that they will probably um, consider his future in the summer. Could it be another case of sending him back on loan? He is only 21, turns 22 before the end of the season. Um, yeah, there is a possibility he could come back out on loan. Um, but I would imagine Arsenal probably look to sell him. Um, and, and the, the big question in the summer is will he have enjoyed his time at Newcastle United um, or will he want to roll the dice somewhere else? Um, it's a long way from home. I know that was one issue that, that Mikel Arteta talked about a little bit. Um, um, and he is a player that that, that, um, that could, will, will attract will attract other clubs if he does reasonably well at Newcastle. So I think we'll have to wait and see. But I imagine, I'd imagine he would probably cost a fair amount as well. He probably He's a young um, England a 21 player you would imagine he's probably going to be north of 15 million to sign um, it's just whether Newcastle would want to spend that kind of money and the player would want to stay here but yeah I, I would be surprised if, if he ends up um, having a long term career at Arsenal simply because of the way things have gone for him at this point and the the, the, the type of signings and, and players that um, Mikel Arteta has used in that department have almost been at times anybody but Willock um, in recent times. And it's a shame because he's a good lad. Um, you can tell that by the, the interviews that he's he's done. Um, and he wants to come here and really prove himself. But I would I'd be very surprised if he stays on at Arsenal. 
um, and, and has an impact there. Look, let's not get too excited here. It's one game. I always think back to Kennedy. When you think about think about the impact that Kennedy had in that first month or two, um, and, and we were we were shouting the ball, and Newcastle wouldn't sign him for twenty five to thirty million. Um, let's wait and see. Will it? Let's just let the lad play and enjoy him, and hopefully has a hopefully has a really good spell. Helps us, and then the summer will be it'll be what it. Whatever it'll be, it'll be, and we'll see see what happens with him. But I would imagine he'd probably be available again in the summer. Martin Colley's asking, do you think Graham Jones would be retained on the coaching staff if the club was taken over? Possibly. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's always necessarily the case that everybody gets booted. So I think we've seen that um, previously. Um, we've seen seen the likes of Ian Cathro working with, with Rafa Benitez. I'm just thinking back to the, the, the previous manager. Um wasn't his man and ended up working with him for a year or two till he got the hearts job. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise us if a Graham Jones was brought in on that, that proviso that even if even if things uh, move on that he might stay on in some capacity. Very ill mag says, What do you think of ESM owning the Mackhams today on Twitter? It was quite funny actually. Yeah, uh, the, the Mackhams, uh, some Mackham fan was giving him a little bit of stick. So uh, he just put a tweet up essentially just saying uh, it was basically um, the Premier League calendar looking for Sunderland season after season when it just was a guy running through this tunnel just looking left and right and looking left and right continuously. It was quite funny. Ah, uh, he was. He's, uh, he's good on social media, like, isn't he? He's a character. Yeah, he has. Uh, he has certainly uh, taken uh, that, you know, um, mantle from uh, from anybody else, uh, you know, on social media and made it his own at Newcastle. Ron Bennett says, uh, "Has Alex Bruce blocked you on Twitter yet? He blocked me, and I've never even mentioned his name. Um, he's blocked me, Liam. I have no idea. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think I follow him to be honest. So I've not even checked. I, I best when we come off the show, I'll have a little look to see if he's blocked us. I've, I've honestly no idea." I've not said anything against him. I've never had a conversation with him, so I'd be surprised if he has. I've never said anything, but I think what he was doing was he was going down the hashtag NUFC timeline, uh, seeing who was involved in hashtag Bruce out. And I, I've got to, I've got to be honest, I was. I know you weren't, but yeah. you know, uh, ultimately that's probably why he's, he's he's blocked a few people. John Spence says, "Look, Edward said Steve Bruce would have walked if Jones had been brought in behind his back." What do you make of that? Um, not Luke Edwards' comment, but the you know the fact that you know that still won't go away. A lot of people do feel that Jones was brought in to help uh, Steve Bruce and help you know keep Newcastle up by Lee Charnley and Mike Ashley as opposed to Steve Bruce. Look, Luke, Luke is 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 really close to, to Steve Bruce, um, so you've got to take what he says as gospel in that sense. That comment does surprise us. It does surprise us that that. Um, Steve Bruce says he's a Newcastle United fan um, he's from the area we know that as well um, he's always talked of I don't walk away I don't do this I don't do that so then all of a sudden just because it starts to get a bit tough and, and the people above you don't want to sack you and would bring someone in behind your back this is all hypothetical by the way that he would then walk away no I don't think I, I'd be quite surprised if, if he did um, I wouldn't I'd, I, you'd get the gloves on wouldn't you I know he talked about taking them off, but you get them on and you'd be, you'd come out fighting if that was the case. Um, so I'm surprised by the comment, um, but I get it. I get the idea that they would be undermining the manager um, and his decision making. But let's be brutally honest about this as well. That's working on the idea that Steve Bruce has ultimate control over what happens at this football club. He really doesn't. He doesn't have ultimate control over signings. He doesn't have ultimate control over the football inside of the business. This isn't the, the sort of carte blanche that was handed to Benitez at one point during his time. 
didn't work out very well, unfortunately. Um, shame that it didn't, but Steve Bruce has not been brought in on that proviso. So if there's decisions taken around him that, that uh, people come into the football club, signings are made because of recommendations to do with the scouting network or people that, that the, the football inside of thing might be speaking to outside of the football club, then, then Steve Bruce has to accept that, and he largely has as well. Um, so, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get that comment. Um, look, it's got to be true because Luke said it. Luke, Luke is is mates with with Steve Bruce, so everything he says, if, if Luke's saying that, then then I believe Steve Bruce is probably thinking that, or has, has intimated that, or said that. Um, so I, I'm. He's never, he was never going to walk away. He's never going to walk away because you know he, he, all that money, all that money. You know what I mean? He might have said it in, in anger, maybe he's, I don't know, but I, I do believe it anyway. Gary Hannant uh, suggesting that maybe Frank Lampard's a possibility for Newcastle if uh, if Steve Bruce goes the journey. Is, is that somebody you could see travelling to Newcastle to become manager? Yeah, I think. Look, I think I don't think it'd be the worst appointment in the world. I think he's he's. Proven himself in certain departments at Chelsea really well. It was probably just a bridge too far for him um, too early in his career. Um, but yeah, I don't see why somebody like that in time couldn't come up here and, and do a good job. Uh, I think most people would be open to that. Uh, Mark Henderson says, so our top goal scorer, Callum Wilson, goes off injured. You'd think a manager would bring on someone who could score goals in Gale. Yeah, Bruce brings on someone who can't. Joe Linton, why? Yeah, a lot of people scratching their heads over that decision again. Um, Dwight Gale... For somebody who's his favourite player and who he wanted to sign time and time again, can I get a can I get a look in? It's been a really we've talked about it a lot on here. It's been a really strange situation with Dwight Gale. For somebody that um, about six weeks, well, two months ago, was talking about he would do everything within his power to get him a new contract, and he's barely kicked the ball since. I was looking at some statistics on how many minutes have been played um, recently. And, and, it's, and Dwight Gale is one of the lowest. He's been fit now for a good two, two, three months. He's been fit since since probably the start of December. And, and he scored one goal, never really had much of an opportunity beyond that. There's more going on here than, than, than's been said. Um, and and it needs, he needs some game time. Look, I, I go back to the Joe Linton decision. I'm not a Joe Linton fan. I think he offers very, very little. Um, and I think most people probably tend to agree with that. I don't think I'm saying anything out of the ordinary here. Um, I can kind of see why he decided to bring him on in that game at that time. Um, because playing that, that system uh, where you're not replacing a, a central striker in Dwight, in, in sorry, in Callum Wilson. You're, you're, Callum Wilson was effectively playing off the right-hand side. So I can see why you would probably think, look, I've played Joe Linton a fair bit out wide and he'll do both jobs. There's less question about whether Dwight Gale does both jobs. Um, does he drop out to the right? And you might have to change more about the system if you bring a Dwight Gale back in. But as players, individuals, I would have Dwight Gale every day of the week over ahead of Joe Linton because they're different class, in my opinion. But I can sort of see the system, how he might have had to adapt other players. Maybe it would have taken a little bit away from Almiron had he brought Dwight Gale in. Um, I'm not sure Dwight Gale is the same as Callum Wilson. Wilson has played a wide role quite a bit in his career. Hasn't always been a central striker. Dwight Gale hasn't. He hasn't hasn't played that. He's always been a central striker. So I can kind of see where the Joe Linton decision came from. It's just a shame he didn't have a better player to bring on in that position. And I think moving forward, realistically, in this system, if you, I think he'd even be better off if he'd brought... I think if it'd been later in the game, he might have brought on uh, Ryan Fraser, for example. 
Um, and I know that's playing without a, a recognised striker, but I think you could have done that, and I think you could even do that away from home at a you know against against a, a, or one of the top sides against a Chelsea or Man United, because I think he'll offer you a lot more off the ball than what Joe Linton does. Joe Linton's very one-paced. He's, you're never going to coach that out of him. He's just really slow, slow in his thought processes, slow in the way he turns, slow in his touch, everything he does, even when he. You'll chase somebody down for a tackle and the bloke will have passed it five minutes earlier and then he'll foul him and you're like, come on, man. I mean, I don't know how anybody thought that lad would ever be sharp enough um, to be a Premier League footballer. And Dwight Gale is sharp enough to be a Premier League footballer. But in the system, I, th- I can see why he brought Joe Linton on. Joe Linton not slow at putting photos on social media when he's getting his hair cut at the barbers, though, during a pandemic. Uh, Barry Hogan says, is this just another uh, crappy news story? Newcastle are seen as one of the most likely alternatives for investor Joseph de Grosser if Southampton do not lower their takeover asking price. More mischief, uh, more mischief by the media, that, do you think? Just uh, another red heron in amongst all the other red herons? So, I'm just looking at my phone here because I've got... I've actually got a reply, which I haven't printed, from the PR people at JCP Sports. Because um, I've asked the question to them today. I put a story out this afternoon saying, look, what a situation. Uh, this is what the situation is. I've seen this. The news have been totally. Um, so he has a, a little comment. There'll be no public comment. Um, but it's just, it's seen as, I'm not quote verbatim because it's a private conversation, but the idea is that it's just, Newcastle are one of a bunch of clubs that would be seen as a good choice to buy. Um, now, that's very... Um, there's nothing actually happening is also confirmed. that that Obviously, the thing with the De Grossa stuff is that the guy tried to broker a deal in 2019 for the football club, you know, arm in arm with the likes of uh, Peter Kenyon and it was the full GACP Sports uh, uh, set up. They couldn't come to an agreement. They did. They did have talks. They did do the due diligence. They they went down the road, employed certain bodies to be involved and, and check do checks and things like that. All the financial stuff was there. But but um, the big fear, and I don't know this is a fact. But the big fear I've got with GACP Sports is that it's another Burnley. It would effectively be yeah. another. It'll be another. it be another purchase from somebody who outright does not have uh, the funds to buy a football club. I'm not saying he hasn't got the funds in general, but doesn't have the funds to put into a football club and then spend again. I think there'll be a lot of borrowing, a lot of leveraging. Um, and I think there's a real concern, whoever he does buy. Look, we're talking about not wanting to pay 200, sorry, not wanting to pay, is it 160 million for the shares um, of the Southampton owner? He owns 80%. So he doesn't want, he doesn't value it Southampton at 200 million. Mike Ashley wants 300 million plus for Newcastle United. Of course, it's a bigger club, um, is valued, uh, Accordingly, but the problem is that if he can't, if he can't put that kind of money down without leveraging and, and lending, um, which we're seeing a lot now, we've seen it at Burnley, we've seen it at Derby, we've seen it at Sunderland, um, we've seen it from a lot of a lot of football clubs that, that, that these buyouts. Manchester United is probably the biggest high-profile one that, that these clubs are bought, and then uh, they're, they're basically bought on future revenues and things like that. I can't go into the complexities. I'm not a financial guy, but it, it's really complex and, and wrong, to be honest. Um, that's what the owners and directors test should be there for. It should be looking at people like this and saying, can you afford the football club and can you keep them running um, with your money, um, including the money that's brought in from the football club? But it doesn't seem that that's the case. Um, and I would have big reservations about GACP. 
um, Joe DeGrosse at buying the football club. So in short, so the answer is, um, was it said? Yep, it was in a, it was I think it was a, a Matt Slater article in the Athletic. It was it was mentioned Newcastle United in passing, but I genuinely believe it may only be in passing. And Newcastle United are mentioned. He has had talks before. He couldn't come to an agreement. And the most important thing about all of this is that um, Mike Ashley is only entertaining one bid for this football club. Is the only bid that has ticked every single box for Mike Ashley. And the biggest box in that one, the biggest box is that they don't want it. It's not a buy now, buy now, pay later deal. It's it's a deal that how much do you want for the football club? Right, well, we'll give you the money for the football club. It's not a case of right, well, we'll give you we'll give you fifty million now, and then you'll get. 50 million a year's time. And that's kind of the kind of thing, the kind of arrangement that Kenyon and GACP sports deal was involved in. I just don't have any confidence that, that that's any different to what we have now. In fact, it's probably similar to what we have now where the club would run itself. There'll be profits taken from it and, um, and we'll probably have more risk that if mm. things went wrong, there wouldn't be a, a benefactor effect. Benefactor is the wrong word. I was nearly going to call Mike Ashley a benefactor there. But there wouldn't be somebody um, willing to sort of take on the issues yeah. if he gets relegation. Somebody willing to bankroll it if things go wrong. Um, and that would be the problem. So it would be very similar to what we have now, but, but just with no no bloke standing there saying, right, well, I'll give you i I'll put 100 million in to come over for a season till you get back on the Premier League. Yeah, big shout out to DNS uh, Insurance as well. A uh, good friend of mine, Neil Harvey. Um, I've just stuck the link in uh, for his business. Uh, they look after insurance needs from the most basic insurance to large complex insurances. Um, done uh, my insurance for Newcastle Legends for many, many years. So uh, please uh, give uh, them a look um, if you get the opportunity. Rob asks, would you take Adam Armstrong back considering we have 40% sell-on close? Are the club looking at that deal? It's not not something, to my knowledge, that they are looking at. Um, but would I take him back? Look, I was always impressed with him. Um, I, I was disappointed when he was allowed to leave the football club. I think it was probably a bit too early for him. I don't think his development was best served in Newcastle United, and I think that's why he's needed to go elsewhere to do a lot of the learning that he missed out on when he was younger. He was plucked from the the um, the reserve setup, the youth setup at the age of sixteen. Um, by Alan Pardew, brought in far too early. I think he needed time away from the club to play games. He needed looked after. I don't think he was. And I think it's taken him to move away from Newcastle to really come on and develop as a footballer. And all credit to him because I think he is a fantastic footballer. There were signs there when he was a young lad and when he got chances at Newcastle that he could he could be a good player. And and, and if, if Newcastle got that 40%, as was reported in the Chronicle by Lee Ryder, um, which you have to believe that we have, um, if if they're going to sell them for 15 million and it's only going to cost Newcastle United a fraction of that, 40% less than that, look, I think that's a bargain. I think that's a bargain for a local lad who you bringing in who would who would who scores goals in the division below. I don't think that's a massive risk to take if you're letting a Dwight Gale go, for example, and you bring in somebody like that. I think I think that wouldn't be a bad move to for Newcastle United to make in the in the summer. But a lot of that depends on the people who who um who are interested in them as well. I know West Ham made a decent play for him in January and I think they'll probably come back in in the summer. Yeah, lots of people asking stuff about players. Nicola Dolby just says the Gale situation is like Matty Longstaff last year. It's all about him signing a new contract. I agree with you 100% there. Mark Henderson wants to know what's happened to Matt Ritchie. Can't even make the subs bench. I just do not understand that one. Look, he was away, wasn't he? That's the thing. He was totally gone. He was away. He was going back to... Uh, going back, sorry, I said Portsmouth. Going back to um, 
Bournemouth, and um, I think I think that's where his head's at. I think he would have quite happily gone down to Bournemouth, and it's a shame that deal didn't happen really because I think it was there was a lot of things dependent on it, and things would have moved on elsewhere if Newcastle in the transfer window if that deal had got signed off. Lots of people saying uh, congratulations for being one years old. Thank you very much, Joe. Saying, just wanted to pick up something you said earlier about NUFC. Matt has been one this week. Wow. Massive thanks again for all your efforts during this extraordinary time. Legend indeed, mate. I'm not a legend, mate, but um, thank you very much for your kind words. Means uh, a hell of a lot. And, um, you know, we'll continue to do what we do best. Um, somebody did ask a question. I just want to go back to it if I can find it in the uh, in the chat. I'll I'll find out who uh, I'll find out who asked it. But it just somebody asking about Rafa. Just saying what what's he actually waiting for, Liam? Oh, here we go. Uh, Tom Dixon again. What what sort of job do you think Benitez is waiting for? Is he waiting for the takeover to be done, or is he having a well deserved break? Uh, it's a hard question to ask unless you're going to ask Benitez himself, isn't it? Look, he is, we've talked about him here before, and let's deal with the, the things that we do know. We know that um, he is uh, he is the consortium, PCP consortium's favoured candidate to take the role, um, should they get the, the green light to take over Newcastle United. Um, but I've talked about it on here before. Is Rafa Benitez the type of person who would wait around for too long without work? I don't believe he is. He's not that type of person. He's, he's a grafter. He wants to work. And I think he'll take a job when he can take a job. I think that's the biggest risk with that. I, I wouldn't necessarily pin that. I wouldn't pin all your hopes on if Benitez takes another job, that means the takeover is dead. They're not. They're not intrinsically linked like that. But it is. It is. We're all. We are at a point whereby, um, if it happens quite soon, I think Benitez will hang on. If we're looking at a court, court battles, which could take a year, for example, and everybody in the consortium is willing to hang on that long, which we don't know as fact, um, then I think. I think we're probably. Probably looking at Benitez would take a job. There'll be there'll be plenty of people want Benitez because he's a fantastic manager. He's proved himself all over Europe, um, and I think he would go back into Europe if he gets the opportunity. He would prefer to stay in the Premier League, of course. But if the right job doesn't come up from the Premier League, I think he'll take he'll take a risk elsewhere. And we've got, you've just got to, got to look at Benitez's uh, career. Really, if you look at it briefly, that he has taken risks and he's jumped in jobs that other people might have waited and not taken. China being one of them. Newcastle particularly being another one as well. Um, it was a risk, a big risk. Um, he does that though, and he takes risks because he wants to work. He looks at teams and thinks he can change things, he can affect them. Um, and, and it wouldn't surprise me if Benitez, even though he might have had word, and we don't know that for a fact, we know that he is the favoured manager for the consortium. But even if he's had word, if, if a job comes up and, he, and there's no end in sight for this deal, then it wouldn't surprise me if he took a job elsewhere. Look, I want him to come back. I think he's the exact um, perfect person to come to this football club and rebuild. Um, it'd be really difficult for Newcastle United in the event of a takeover going to pluck a top, top manager and bring them here and say, OK, go on. Then They'd have to come in on the idea that they have to rebuild the football club from the bottom up. They have to rebuild the infrastructure. They have to put the pillars back in place, get the academy sorted, um, revamp a training ground, then probably redesign a brand new training ground that would have to be built elsewhere. Um just, just put an ethos, uh, a way of thinking into the football club. And that's why, for me, that Benitez, having spoken to him um, on a regular basis when he was the manager, that's kind of what I, what I, who I want to come in here because I know he's got those ideas. He could come in, um, he'd hit the ground running because he knows the football club, he knows a lot of the players, um, and he knows what needs improved. And I think that's why he'd be absolutely ideal. 
Yeah, Trolls says maybe Martinez is waiting for the takeover. A lot of people reading a lot into Graham Jones coming and, of course, uh, the link-up that they had uh, in the internationals. Uh, Nicholas says, uh, can you ask Liam if he had any crack with Keith, Keith Patterson this week? Yeah, yeah, speak to Keith regular. Um, speak to Keith regular. Uh, like I say, we're, we're, we're mate, we started as contact for mates now, so we do we do speak on a regular basis. Um, Keith's keeping things ticking over. He's got his own things going on at NCSL. And people who think that nothing's happening on that front are really, really um, mistaken. Um, things are ticking along. Um, and just, just things, the, the legal cogs are moving in a number of directions. And it's all very um, confidential and private, as it should be, as it has to be at this point in a process. So um, I can't answer questions for Keith, but have I spoken to Keith yet? I've spoken to Keith regular basis. I spoke to him 20 minutes before I came on the show. Well, there you go. You kind of, you kind of get much better than that. Uh, a lot of, a lot of mix, uh, a lot of mix on Rafa, of course. Um, you know, Looney Tune does says I wouldn't want Rafa back if the takeover happened because all we would get is Bruce Benitez comparison again and again. Uh, which is, which, you know, I, I understand that. I understand that. Joe says get Rafa on. I have asked. I have asked. Unfortunately, uh, no response on that yet. But um, you know, never say never. Um, I would imagine that uh, that is something that might happen. At some point, we've got Alan Shearer. Adam Telford says, Mike Ashley's not doing this deal because he cares about us. He's doing it because they're the only ones willing to pay over the odds for us. Because uh, realistically, we're only worth £250 million. Barry Ingham, we did answer that question earlier, but uh, it is possible we could get him to come back uh, if that was possible. Uh, Chippers, uh, good evening. He says, takeover or no takeover? Do you think this summer will be a massive one at Newcastle? That's a wide open question, that, Liam. Will it be a big summer, do you think? I think it'd be a big summer, but not in the way that you're probably hoping for. I think I think the financial implications of the last um, 12 months will really bite um, Newcastle United, um, bite the balance sheets, and I think I think it might be a little bit of a struggle. I don't think you're going to see the the free spending kind of thing that we've seen um, not last summer but the summer before. I think you're going to even struggle to see the kind of spending that we've seen last summer. Um, so yeah, um, my opinion would be. Um, that it will be a big summer, but not for the reasons that you, you kind of hope. Okay, uh, lots of comments coming in about Rafa. Chip as says, do you think that Mike Ashley could replace Bruce this summer even without a takeover? Uh, if Newcastle United stay in the division and continue on the, the pathway that they are now, there's no, Steve Bruce isn't going anywhere while Mike Ashley's owning the football club. Yeah, okay. Stu, Stuart asks me a question. He says, congrats on the podcast, first birthday. Which one of your podcasts has been your favourite and which episode has been your favourite? What? Oh, which one? All right, okay. So you're putting us in a bit of a position there. I've got to be honest, the Liam ones have been a surprise. And I think both of us would agree on that because, yeah. you know, when you put people together, you know, me and Liam were pals anyway. I'd done a couple of uh, Shields Gazette podcasts, Mouth of the Time podcasts, but... We didn't really know, you know, whether it would take off, you know, and we're blown away. Over 700 watching on a regular basis live and then, you know, it gets on a regular basis anything from three and a half to five thousand views a week. So people people appreciate Liam's honesty. So I would say, I would say probably this one is my favourite one to do, which was completely unexpected. The three amigos is, is special because it's me, t- me and me two pals. It's it's me and Steve and Neil, and we get guests on. And you know whether it's Alan Shearer, whether it's Keith Patterson, whether it's Ian Mearns, you know that's become like a a Friday night ritual for a lot of people. 
um, during COVID. So the Three Amigos is special, but it's difficult to pick one. Um, I love them all. I love Ladies' Night because it's it's so random. It's a it's a laugh. It's so funny that, to do. Um, you never know what's gonna happen. Um, you know, it was frowned upon at first. Ooh, Ladies' Night. It's a bit sexist. It's not. It's it's it is what it is. It's a ladies' night with all the girls on, and I'm hosting it, and uh, that's turned into a great little show. And I'm I'm immensely proud of the fact that Kendall and you know Alicia, who's come along, they've got their own channels. That they they're starting to sprout off and go and do their own stuff. Um, but you know, Super Mac and Gibbo was was the initial concept. Um, you know, year you know two years ago, really, when we did we did pilot episodes. Um, and it didn't really take off. They were good. They, that was a good laugh to do them, and, and they're, they're always good to have them on. I know that's much appreciated amongst some of the older older Newcastle fans. Um, and then to have the worldwide lads, you know, come on and, and chat and do the, the match day lives again, something something which other people were doing, but people have bought into our, our way of doing it with so many people on. Um, I'm just really surprised how well it's taken off, and 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 I am humbled by the whole thing. Um, that you know we've managed to get through a year. Um, people keep saying, well, you know, what you're gonna do? How you you know how are you gonna progress? I don't know. I didn't plan this. You know what I mean? We just we did it because we wanted to cheer you lot up. I wanted to cheer myself up. I enjoy talking about Newcastle, and I hope that comes across. Um, you know, I'm not an expert. I'm not somebody who is in the know. I'm just somebody who has got more contacts than some and less contacts than others. But I enjoy talking about Newcastle, and I think that's why the shows all all work. And nothing better than you know spending these days, you know, during this horrendous period, talking Newcastle United and uh, speaking to fans, speaking to journalists, and speaking to ex-players. And you lot enjoy it. Um, and, you know, for as long as the lockdown and this horrendous situation continues, and as long as I'm fitting well, I'll continue to do it. So thanks for all your, your birthday wishes. Um, we'll go with one more question, um, if there is another one. And uh, there's so many congrats coming in, which is which is great. So thank you very much. Um, here we go, Craig Southgate. Look, lads, it's not about the price. You also pay for the potential. They have a plan, and this club has a lot more potential than the clubs are, that are left to buy. They said all will be revealed. Well, that's yeah. I think that's good, isn't it? And it, it is I true. Think so. I think so. I think that for me, if you look at the the two, the two um, almost. I know it's it's a, a well coined phrase, but Seaman Giants in the Premier League at the moment, I would say it's Newcastle United, Leeds United, um, one city clubs. They, they've got massive fan bases, a massive reach, um, and I think um, if you're if you're a, a person looking to invest in the Premier League. From out the outside in, I think those were the two that you would you would look at and say we could really develop. Um, Leeds in a very similar situation, Newcastle United in an infrastructure sense, um, in a farm base sense as well. Um, but obviously, I'm, I'm biased. I think most people out there, Newcastle United is a much better value football club because the top and bottom of it is it's a bigger football club, uh, much bigger football club. Um, so, um, yeah, that's that's my that's my opinion on it. But I was going to mention, Steve, you, you talk a little bit. I know we're going to run over time, but. My favourite one, my favourite show of the, the last 12 months that we've been, I've been on here with you um, has been one of the first ones you ever got us on because people might not remember, it wasn't a regular thing. Our show wasn't set to be. Liam's coming on every Monday, Tuesday, whatever. It was just, I would come on whenever. And you put us on with Supermac and we did a, we did a, a lunchtime show with Supermac. And I was just totally in awe that, that, that I'm, I'm sort of with with a, a legend, somebody that my dad absolutely adores, you know what I mean? And, and as I was brought up on stories of Supermac, and, and that was probably my favourite. 
But I think people forget that it, it wasn't a planned thing, was it? It was just something that yeah, it's been it's been organic and it's grown throughout the the months into something that, that it is today. And there's a full community, people support you out there on Twitter, on Facebook, whatever it may be. And um, all credit to you, Steve, because you you this is your baby and you created it. Thanks very much, mate. M- much appreciated. And yeah, long may long may continued. Um, Colin Wilson, one thing is for sure, when this takeover happens, there'll be one hell of an NUFC matters party. Great show, lads. Yeah, we've still got a Christmas party to have, which people have paid for. Hopefully, we'll be able to increase the numbers, though. Uh, tomorrow, I am doing two shows again. Slightly different times, guys, because of... Uh, uh, country's time coordinates and different different times so all being well Nobby Solano will join us at three o'clock tomorrow and uh, then at the slightly later time on Thursday I'll be joined by Warren Barton uh, that will have to be at eight o'clock because where he is in the states uh, don't forget tomorrow night as well as retro night we'll be looking at matches between Newcastle United and uh, Norwich City tomorrow some some great stories already lined up and of course Thursday night sees the return hopefully of John Gibson after his dental work and uh, Supermac they've both confirmed so uh, hopefully they'll all be fine and uh, don't forget as well on a Wednesday night the lads Martin and uh, Daz and Chris will be back with their uh, loaded football weekly which uh, looks at uh, Newcastle United free zone really it looks at world football it looks at uh, football from around the world other teams in the Premier League and have their uh, their weekly quiz as well so well worth uh, dropping into that if you haven't tried it give it a go um, it's, uh, it's, it's well worth a watch Liam just give a little plug to where people can find you mate down here, Liam Kennedy twenty at, at Liam J Kennedy twenty three. That's where you'll find me. Um, we also do our own podcasts. I work for the Shields Gazette uh, as an Newcastle writer. Um, we do our own podcast, Mouth of the Time Pod. You can follow that on Twitter too. Um, we normally do one of those once a week. Um, probably be out tomorrow. Um, so yeah, I work for the Shields Gazette. We work on a subscription model. We don't go for all the clickbait stuff. You might have read some of my stuff if you like it. Um, you'll normally get four or five stories a week. Um, if you go over that, it's a small subscription fee. Um, and for quality journalism, I don't think it's a it's a real bad thing to to have to pay for it. You pay for everything else, cost you the same as a coffee um, for a week or two weeks or whatever it may be. Um, so I don't think it's that bad. If you if you like the content, you like the thing that I do on here, then I'm pretty sure you probably like the stuff that I write in the Gazette as well. So yeah, it'd be good to good to see some subscriptions come from this kind of thing because ultimately that's what pays the wages and and, and the world's got to go around, doesn't it? It has, mate. Great stuff. Good to have you on as always, mate. Another great show. Another positive week. Please give the show a like. Please give it a share. And please subscribe. Just hit the little banner in the bottom right-hand corner. Subscribe to the channel. If you want to make a donation, uh, click join as well. You can join the channel. Become a member. Gives you the option of having some little uh, emojis, etc. You'll have seen them on some of the people in the comments. Uh, big thanks to Gary Hannon, who's donated another £5 to the food bank as well. Uh, much appreciated, mate. Liam, see you next week, mate. It'll probably have to be Wednesday, because we're playing Monday the girls will have to move to Tuesday so we'll see you next Wednesday mate right see you take care mate